You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What's good, Goat Flippers? It's your host, Lurk, here, and thank you for tuning into this episode of the podcast. If this is your first time here, we welcome you to the Van Flip, where we're not your typical Q&A podcast, but rather a relaxed and in-depth conversation to the minds of those involved in the heavy music scene. If you are listening to us on a platform, you can give us a rating. Just go ahead and give us a five-star, thumbs up, or whatever the highest thing is you can. It definitely helps us out in the algorithm of the podcast world. Visit LambGoat.com to stay up to date on news, releases, and announcements from around the hardcore and metal world. Follow LambGoat on social media. Give us a like on Facebook and follow LambGoat on both Twitter and Instagram at LambGoat. Ooh, also big announcement here. We finally started a Twitter account to better interact with all of you all directly. Go follow at VanFlip Podcast. Tweet us what you think of the show or the next guest we should have on. If you are interested in watching podcasts instead of listening, all our episodes are available on our Lamgoat YouTube channel. So subscribe and make sure you get notified when new episodes are released. I would like to take a quick second to thank our Patreon supporters, Dylan and Lachlan. Thank you for supporting the Van Flip. You guys are awesome. If you would like to become a Patreon supporter too, not only would you help improve and grow the show, but you also get early access to episodes before they are released, an invite to the private Discord chat, some lamb goat swag, and more. And heck, we'll even give you a shout out on the show for as long as you are a supporter. Visit patreon.com slash the Van Flip for more info. On this episode of the Van Flip podcast, we have Connie Scarbosa, vocalist of the up-and-coming Pure Noise Records band, CU Space Cowboy. Oh yeah, what's this? I feel this. Oh yeah, this is uh Oh no, what's this? Oh, no, no, no. Lamb Goat presents the Van Flip Podcast. I'm not gonna like try to murder your last name, Scarbosa. Yeah. So actually, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself? All right. <laughs> um, I'm Connie Scarbosa from Sea Space Cowboy. Yo. Uh, you guys are from California. We are indeed from California. Yes. And you kind of are a relatively recent band in general yeah. in conception as well as being signed so that you guys formed in uh, 2014 formed, 15 we, like we formed like uh october 2016 2016 yeah that was a little off then we were like tail end 2016 and then we started out as like a different band kind of and then we there's this whole two projects thing and one project was like a seven piece grind band, like influenced by the Locust and like Sawtooth mm-hmm. Grin. And this band couldn't exist anymore, so we took this band and this band and like merged them and became Sea Space Cowboy, five piece band. So what, <laughs> what was the other vibe that you, the other band? Vibe? So it was more, it's 
probably way more like scene. We had like southern riffs. Okay. We were like way more unapologetic in like what we did. There's a lot. We did like gang vocals and shit. Yeah, because you can. I mean, listening to you guys' new release that you guys just dropped a month ago. What plug? Um, yeah, so you can go check that out. <laughs> but um, listening to that one, you can definitely tell like they're they're. You know, callbacks like the daughters and the locusts yeah. and all that kind of spazcore stuff. And you guys label yourself as like a sasscore band. See, we whatever that means. If you want to go ahead and explain yeah, okay. it. So, so the whole thing with that is like the first two years of this band, like everything that's on songs for the Firing Squad, um, we we very much like embrace that. Like, yeah, like sassy, spazzy, three one G, MySpace grind shit. And we did that all through the two years. Did like. Uh, fashion saves associate wear. We did a split. We did a single. And, um, when Pure Noise came to us to release it, they wanted to re-release all that shit on a comp. We, and we did our two last songs. We kind of looked at that as like, um, that was like a coffin. We had like done like the whole sceny, weeny, spazzy MySpace thing for a while. <laughs> We're kind of done with it. So it was like, we called the album songs for the firing squad because it was like, that's what it is. Like that era of a, like last off yeah, it's like, that's it. We put those songs against the wall. Um, they put that style against the wall. And then, so with correlations, the correlation between entrance and exit wounds, we wanted to explore more of the old OG metalcore, like poison, the well, Zayo, beloved hopes fall. Um, and seven angels, seven plagues, because we're honestly just fucking bored. And 29 scene became a thing. And we've, hated it we were just like we've been doing this for years what the fuck what are you talking about this is a thing it's been a thing <laughs> we've been doing it so then we kind of just decided to like put that all in the coffin and do a uh, new style because we were all very depressed i was a drug addict and alcoholic while that album was being made so it's like sad space cowboy used to be happy fun mm-hmm. time and now space cowboy's sad but is that like the avenue that you guys are going for going yeah. forward as far oh, yeah. as like it, – it's not sad vibes, but No, like, I mean, I, mean it, it, I, I found that like exploring this new avenue of like more cathartic, straightforward lyrics, like instrumentals that are not as just crazy, artsy, masturbatory shit, which I loved it. I still love it. I still love Daughters. I still love Sawtooth Grin. I still love Drop Dead Gorgeous. I still love The Blood Brothers. I still love Red Hot and Red Light Sting. Um, and, but it just doesn't do it for me anymore. I want something more expressive. I get you. But those bands that you're naming are also like the ones that kind of started the whole situation. Yeah. Those were the bands that came after them kind of milked. Yeah. They milked it more and more. I mean, so yeah, I get, I get your, I get you what you're saying about like how you feel about not one. It just, it matches more with our current life. We're bored. It's just like, yeah, why not take this new thing we have? We like it. People like it. Just run with it. It's the, the, Writing the lyrics and doing the vocals for Correlations was, like, the most cathartic thing I've ever had in my life. I, like, almost died during recording it. So I was like, this is perfect. This is, like, what I need right now. I need more of this. This is the the expression. This is why I do music. I need this release. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that'll continue. Moving forward. So you almost died. I almost died because... Dive into that a little bit. So we wrote... The instrumentals for the record in Philly, um, in like late November. Um, come, coming back from that tour, my ex-girlfriend who I was really close with, I'd been living with her and everything, committed suicide. 
So it sent me like spiraling into this just terrible depression. I just like thought about killing myself all the time. I was like burning myself with cigarettes. I was doing any substance I could get my hands on. I was blackout drunk every night, like barely making it to recording, mm-hmm. like passing out during recording. I even missed two full days of recording because I got so fucked up. I blacked out and my current girlfriend was so worried she paid for me to Uber from San Diego to Los Angeles because she was like so worried for me. Thanks. Which is like a two hundred dollar Uber. <clears throat> yeah, it's a long way. Um so I missed two days of recording. So like yeah, it was just the worst time of my life while I was recording this very expressive, crazy thing mm-hmm. to me. So it just worked really well for like what I was feeling at that time. I'm a lot I'm a lot better now. Um thankfully I'm not as I drink right. um uh Red's Wicked, but I'm a lot better now than I was before, so it was a very, very dark time. And yeah. I'm glad. And like, kind of when the album came out, it was like this big like release. It was like, oh, the album's out. This part of my life is it's over. Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like done. And well, I can a lot like, of move that, forward. a lot of that is good for like songwriting. It and is. Just like yeah. recording in general because like it, you get to like, you know, you get to like vault up that feeling for the most part. <clears throat> and even though you move on, it's still there technically yeah. in the music and whatnot, and you can it's, always, if you wanted to, yeah, like, it's like a, it. it's a remnant, and it, it is it acts that album acts as like a memorial. It acts like I, the song "Late December" in the video. That's kind of my memorial to Natalie, and all the songs on there about mental illness or addiction or anything like that. That's all my memorial to that time in my life. I still struggle with it, but it it, it kind of is nice when you feel helpless to at least be able to put it into something. That you can listen to or yeah. even see, and and the lyrical content beforehand was just more of like a. It was just it was your more, standard typical. It was song super tongue in cheek political stuff because we were a very political band back in the day. So like everything I did, even the name "Fashion Statements of the Socially Aware" was a jab at how popular it had become to be PC. Mm-hmm. But none of these people really believed in it or backed it or would do anything about it. Whereas like I came from the the har- hardcore left scene anarchist collective since i was you know 15 yeah so it was a lot of tongue in cheek kind of a lot of metaphors me just having fun like my p- biggest influences were like Aesop rock and kevin barnes from montreal so super cryptic super fun tongue in cheek and now it's all depressing this is how i feel <laughs> because that's what i need I well need- you're also like older and, and I, things yeah. become different in general yeah. and like you start feeling other like real world shit yeah exactly i mean like and and back then, it was very much writing about, like, things that, like, problems I saw. Not internally, but problems I saw with, like, society. And nowadays, it's like, no, I need this for myself. No, mm-hmm. Sorry sorry to everybody who liked my tongue-in-cheek political shit, but, like, I need this for me now. Yeah. And that's kind of, like, my response to anybody who's upset about, like, us changing our vibe. Because I get it's a big shift from Songs for Fight and Squad to Correlations, but I need this right now. This is for me. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, no, and I mean, you can always dabble in both at some yeah. point later on if you really wanted to yeah, get and, cheeky and with it. Yeah, even then, Correlations has some sassy bits. It's got some weird shit on it still. Like, sorry, it's not enough, but <laughs> we tried to retain some of because we still love that shit. We just don't want to play it as much yeah, anymore. Yeah, I feel you. Um, you mentioned MySpace and like use that kind of like a, as a genre, which is interesting because like I can kind of get that. 
were you old enough to like be on MySpace or to, like? I had one for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't like super embedded in it. Right. But I like very much recognized that era of music that was fueled by MySpace. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was bands. one of those cool inventions that can't, especially for like, I think hardcore music. Yeah. As an umbrella term in general, uh, it was big for us because you know a lot of bands were able to put their music on that and share it with their friends right, right away and find new people. Yeah. But that's interesting to use it as like a genre kind well, of term. Cause you think about it like when the way we always categorize shit is like, yeah, there's those bands that weren't necessarily seen metalcore. There's bands like Heavy Heavy Lolo, Hayworth, Duck Duck Goose. Mm-hmm. But they weren't like that typical metalcore. <laughs> those core. names are like so old. I know. <laughs> I know. But you associate them with an era of like MySpace mm-hmm. grindy shit. It was like, of it course. was weird still. It wasn't marketable. It was this crazy off the wall shit that existed on this site. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, it's a good way to just encompass that, to like differentiate from like the Devil Wears Prada. It's like, no, it's MySpace grind. Yeah, I get you. And plus, again, I think Grindcore was becoming like something that the masses could get their hands on yeah. because of stuff like mm-hmm. MySpace. Because it was, it, it is a niche genre still oh, yeah still but it was even it. more niche i think before yeah. myspace and, and stuff i mean yeah there's a revival of it now well the daughters came back and yeah, locusts are coming back, back yeah locusts are coming back and yeah it's cool the first daughters album i bought uh canada songs that was great uh, album yeah it was 16 minutes long and i was like yo they fucked up my cd but it actually was 16 minutes long and it wasn't, you know what I mean? I was like, Oh, I get it now. That's another funny thing. I get it now. Space Cowboy never wrote a song like over two minutes really before. And then Correlations has four and a half minute song on it. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> when you evolve and stuff like that too, I mean like daughters obviously did that too. They, yeah. Yeah. They, daughters of course. Is, they're long songs. Yeah. Even, so. Way different than, yeah. than self-titled or anything like that. So you were saying about your like scene that you came from the hardcore left or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. It's weird to say like hardcore left because like it could be construed. <laughs> you as, know, like, I like to very much separate myself from like the liberal left, which then yes, I am very far left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> how has um like because you're like again you're a relatively new band in in general. How many bands were you in before? I before was the in... last band that you were in before CU Space Cowboy. When I was like in three and in high school, I played, I was like very much probably like the, uh, late nineties, early two thousands screamo scene, like Orchid, Drums, Dream, all those bands, Tristan mm-hmm. Zara, um, and also like the, the whatever revival, Twinkle Revival, William Bonnie and stuff. So I played in a lot of those bands. Um, Space Cow was the first band I've ever played in that's outside of that genre. Like this okay. was my like departure. Like when I started this band, originally I wanted it to be like a melodic hardcore band like The Carrier. Okay. Killing the dream. Um, so like this band is the first one I ever departed from like that scene of like that really underground screamo shit. Um, so I did that. And when I was like in high school too, I like, um, helped run the Che Cafe in San Diego. Okay. So I'd like get out of school or on the weekends. I'd take a bus or have somebody drive me to go volunteer and run shows at this, um, vegan anarchist collective that's been there since like the fucking seventies. Right. Okay. So like, and so it's that, like a venue. So yeah, it's like a it's, it's a venue slash info shop. So we would do zine tables, we would do like educational events, and we would do a lot of fucking shows. Cool. And like really, like crafted me as like a person, like my like politics, um, that I still hold true to today. Mm-hmm. It was like very influential for me as a kid. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're surrounding yourself with that at a young age. Yeah, yeah, it definitely can like you know permeate your being and whatnot. Um, 
<clears throat> so your I, I'm I think I read somewhere that your dad was into punk rock too. Yeah, my da- my uh, my adoptive dad was like in like the skate um the, like the booming skate industry and punk scene in the 80s. So like he like was one of the first people to work at Airwalk. He started Power Edge magazine. Oh, cool. So he's like very much embedded. He's the one who like in elementary school showed me like all those 80s hardcore bands and, like started me on the trek I am now. Yeah, like, cuz you seem like even though you're you're quite not, I don't want to say quite young, but you're young. I mean, you seem to know a lot about like bands that were out 15, 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah, I mean, so. I, I've always had a pinch. I've, until currently with the modern hardcore metalcore scene, I'd never even really cared about modern bands that much. It was because it was always, you know, my, my dad and my mom showing me 80s hardcore bands or like 90s trip hop bands and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, so I always had a pension. And then once it wasn't that, it was then like, yeah, late 90s, early 2000s screamo. Like, yeah. Most underground you fucking get. Mm-hmm. That was always like the thing I liked. And like, I liked modern indie rock. Like, grew up listening to like Interpol and Block Party and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was def- my thing was always like, yeah, diving into the past was always interesting. I have skate zines from the fucking 80s and 90s. They're cool. old as shit, but they're super fucking cool. I feel yeah. like we are aligned a lot on the music yeah. <laughs> because, like, you're dated a little bit, but I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. am. I mean, and that's not to say I don't love modern music. I no, I'm not saying that as yeah, a negative no, thing either. But. I love trap. I love fucking SoundCloud <laughs> rap. I mean, I like I like what I like, and it just doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, anymore. also, again, I also like those things. So <laughs> trust me, I, I feel you on that. It's a fun little vibe, you know. It is. I mean? It's great. It's a great time. I mean, when I lived in Oakland, I didn't even. I wasn't even part of the hardcore scene for like a year. I just hung out with like graffiti kids and like went to like underground raves and like abandoned buildings. Yeah, yeah. both those things, all those things that yeah. you said are my scene. Yeah, it's great. It's fun. It was nice to like step away from like my usual shit and just be like, I'm just gonna hang out with these kids and party. Yeah, this is dope. I'm gonna do some hood rat things. Yeah, hood rat yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a lot of drugs. I'm gonna go party in some abandoned massage parlor that's got crazy lights and a DJ, and maybe we'll get kicked out. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I've lived a lot of those lights those nights um so how did like you said your stepdad uh your adopted dad or whatnot um kind of like put you, your parents put you on that kind of music like how did that influence you growing up as far as like just being because i mean like you're around you're listening to a lot of like 80 if you're listening to 80 hardcore that's like way early shit yeah it so. was it, it was it definitely kind of like separated me from a lot of the people i knew because so it's not like, your ter- like, yeah, it's, like your typical like oh my dad listens to Aerosmith yeah. or Radio Rock you know it's what I'm it's not normal to be in like fifth sixth seventh grade and be like y'all heard about Minor Threat you heard about Massive Attack <laughs> you like Underworld you know it's like it's trying to like uh, vibe with people about like trip hop and mm-hmm. hardcore is like weird when you're young but eventually I like um you know I I kind of hung out with metalheads and shit and I eventually converted some of them to like being like yo we're all fucking skate punks. We're going to skate like fucking 1983. Let's, let's go skate some bowls. And that's what we did. Yeah. So we, we made homemade black flag shirts and we went and skated bowls. Dope. You know, skateboarding is like pretty Californian too. Oh yeah. I, I, I skated, I surfed a shit ton back mm. in the day. Interesting. Me and my little brother, who's the, um, guitarist of Space Cowboy. We were very much embedded in that culture. Very California when like, we were growing up. Very California. And then when I turned 18, graduated, I, Bounced my ass to San Francisco as soon as I could. How was that? It was great. 
it was kinda, you were living like Southern California. Yeah, I was in San part. Diego, and then um, I had a girlfriend who was going to college in San Francisco, and she was like, "You want to come up with me?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah, get me out of San Diego, please." <laughs> so I kind of like I had never been to San Francisco ever. Mm-hmm. I the first time I saw the city was when I moved there. Wow, I went there with like no money. And just kind of made it work. That's kind of like how we, like a lot of people I think of. Yeah, San Francisco. <laughs> it was that it was definitely that romanticized idea that like San Francisco had in like the sixties and seventies, kind mm-hmm. of playing out in whatever twenty thirteen, um, of like moving into a one bedroom apartment that's twenty five hundred dollars with five people to yeah. make it work. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, I always felt like I've never been. I've been to California, but I've never been to San Francisco. I always felt like that would be a city if I ever showed up. I'd probably not want to leave. Because the art and the culture is so good. It's my favorite place in the whole world. The art and the culture is cool. Um, I love Oakland more for that because it's cheaper. Mm -hmm. It's well, it's close in proximity. Yeah, it's close. It's a twenty-minute um Bart ride, so it's you're there instantly. But it's it's way cooler because people can afford to live there. It's a bunch of warehouses. (laughs) You know, people are doing cool shit over there. San Francisco is really expensive, hard to survive in. It's like very techy now. Yeah, it is. Tech companies are over there. Um, but Oakland is where the shit is definitely happening. That's where all the, all the, the artists are coming out of. That's where all the music's coming out of. That's where all the parties are. It's, yeah. Because it's, it's, you know, Oakland used to be one of the most dangerous cities in the, in the fucking world. I mean, not the world, the country. Yeah. It, it still is very run down and shit, but, you know, we can afford to live there. Yeah. And I think like the best in a lot of things, as far as like arts, the arts are concerned, come out of like, very impoverished or yeah. like low income or poor, poor regions definitely. for the most part because the struggle is part of that. Hey, can you give me another beer? I appreciate you, bro. Yeah, the, it definitely is because I mean, unless I mean, unless you're like one of those fucking trust fund kids, you don't have a lot of money, right? I mean, you, like, most you, people yeah, don't. Yeah. yeah, and if you want to create, you need somewhere cheap to live, and if that means you gotta live in the hood. Like, you gotta live in the hood. You gotta do that and be respectful, of course, right. to people who've lived there forever. You don't wanna come in there and be like, I'm gonna fucking change everything about this neighborhood. <laughs> gentrification? Like, mm, yeah, gentrification. No. You go there, you show respect to the people around you, and you do your thing. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. And that's why I love Oakland, because it is this big mix of like cultures. And it's really, really nice to like have everything come together you have like fucking like super weird artsy queer kids mixing in with like very hood graffiti artists yeah. but everybody's friends because we're all just kicking it together is that to not it. like i think cal i like kind of picture in my head california like that all over not no. just in oakland no because see i mean like there's parts but san diego is a very rich area there's like inland parts that aren't that like historically have not been. I just feel like there's a lot of like there's a lot of groups of people that live in California. Yes, yeah. There's, so there's, there should be all meshing together. Yeah, that, that's kind of how in it my is. perfect world had. You know. Yeah, what I, mean? I mean, even in like hardcore and like in San Diego, like yeah, you have a huge Mexican population. You have a huge a huge population. You even have kids coming from like rich white neighborhoods mixing up with like you know impoverished kids from other parts of town like we're well, always gonna have that yeah you're always gonna have that but that's the, the beauty of hardcore is it brings all these different groups together um and it's it that's what it's for because we all have the we we all struggle differently mm-hmm. but we all have this central love for this music and we all have like ideas of what we are against and what we're for and they mesh together so well. And you can do that with other groups of people, other communities. It doesn't just have to be, you have to love hardcore for me to fuck with you. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't think that's silly. It's, it used to be like that. <laughs> I'm glad it's not anymore. I'm glad it's not anymore. No, and it, it, I, I do remember a time where like you could, it wasn't as cool to listen like 
brand new or taking back Sunday if you were listening to like hardcore. Yeah. But yeah. nowadays, nowadays that's like, just, yeah. listen to the fuck you want. I mean, we're I, all secretly doing it. Yeah. I, okay. And that's kind of what was cool about the, um, the whole like, when this band came out, I don't want to say that, like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, we were a movement, but it was really funny to see all these hardcore kids being like, yo, I fucked with Heavy Heavy Lolo back in the day. I love y'all. This is sick. Yeah. And it was really cool to see that. I was kind of just like, yeah, we can like whatever the fuck we want and still be in the hardcore scene. It doesn't yeah. make us any less fucking down for it or anything like that just because we all love seeing music back in the day. I feel at some point, I've, Hardcore, or like when I say hardcore, I just mean like the genre, yeah. the scene in general. Um, I feel like that scene really perpetuated the kind of like jokey music where like you have like Arsonist Get the Girl yeah. or, or anything like that, all those kinds of bands that were just like spazcore, jokey type bands. But I feel like that also in itself blossomed like a whole legit kind of genre it, it based did. on the jokes it, you know it, what i mean it's fun i mean even like we used to have fucking disco beats in our songs <laughs> it was fun yeah. it was a good time and and you know what people would be out there trying to two-step the parts you can't really two-step but you know they're having a good fucking time trying yeah, and yeah. i love that and it was sick and it, that's what kind of drew me to that initially it was like this is fun doing sassy vocals instead of screaming all the time that's fun not so much more fun anymore, but you know, back in the day, it was like, "This is great! I love this. This is just fun music. This is just something you want to like shout woo and like have a good time mm-hmm. to, and while also punching your friends in the face with <laughs> breakdown hits." You know, and so I, I think that like that was the merit of the genre. It was very experimental. It was very fun, and I love it for it. Yeah, it's weird to see like how it's evolved <clears throat> since like. Well, I call it the prime, but it's probably not. I, I I think hardcore metal and metalcore and all that shit. I think it's coming back. Oh, it, a lot right oh, now. Oh yeah. But I think for a long time there was like a very big lull, and I I call it the golden time, like you know two thousand or two thousand six or some shit. Mm-hmm. Even before that, for like metalcore at least, but hardcore in general was wildly popular in that time frame too. Yeah. But I think like it was. It's good to see like the creativity that's come from. Out of the law. Yeah. Because for a while there, a lot of bands were sounding like a lot alike. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Just kind of like kind of copy and paste and I, shit. I feel like that's just how art goes in general, though. You have this reinvention. You have this thing where something new comes along, and this is cool. Everybody's going to start taking from it. And it's going to happen to this whole metalcore revival, too. Yeah. Eventually, this shit will become very stale. Yeah. Um, It'll just become regurgitated yeah. again and, and again. Then, and again. then... People will find something else to draw from, and that'll be the new thing. Who's the new Limp Biscuit? See, new metal's gonna come <laughs> back. I'm, I'm calling. It I think right new now. metal's coming back. I think it is. I think it is, and I, not in a bad way. I don't no, think in it was a good way. In I think it's way, sick. But... I mean, I I hear bands taking influence from Deftones, and that's fucking dope. I kind of get a little new metal vibe from Knock Loose, in a weird way. <laughs> I think mm, I don't. They're heavy. They are heavy. I I could see maybe in some of the like the non-heavy parts they play some of the other the shit that fills in spaces. Yeah, I see I mean, maybe like, a little bit of that. There's a nuance, like yeah. kind of like how Pantera has like slow guitar parts sometimes. I feel like they have like slower guitar parts too. And again, I'm not saying it as a negative thing. I love that band and you know, yeah. this that the other, but I just get that they're a new metalcore kind of sound. But mm-hmm. I feel like they also pull from 
you know, like Slipknot yeah, and fucking I feel like you could Heavy pick, Corn. You, you know what I mean? Pick from pick from everything. I don't think there's anything wrong with picking from genres that you like. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, I play this genre of music, but I'm gonna pick from this over here and this over here because I like this shit. No problem. I think it's great. I think that if you like something, you should try to incorporate it in your if you want. Yeah. No matter what, like the what consequences. Well, that's what we were talking about with the creativity. I'm surprised a lot of like you know, I'm surprised a lot of the creativity that happens just in general, even if they're not going like way out of their way. Bands going way out of their way. It's just interesting to see what they come up with. Yeah, it's interesting to find out like the band's influences and this or the other. I think it's I think it's fun, and. My only gripe with it is, and this is a gripe against old Space Cowboy as well, <laughs> is when you're just, like, taking something and not, re- like, like, we, okay, like, we did do things in, we tried to do things in different ways, like, yeah, we had daughter's parts, but we had breakdowns, blah, 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 whatever. When you just are a carbon copy of an old thing, I feel like that's when you lose that. You need, you don't have any ingenuity to what you're doing. And, um, I'm not saying, cause I, I love Jesse. Jesse writes great music. I'm not saying that Old Space Cowboy was just a regurgitation, but like, it's a, it's a fine line to walk, you know? It's, it's also your first stab at it. Yeah. I mean, and like, it could be a growing process, but that's like my one gripe with revivals is when you're just a pure carbon copy. Mm-hmm. It's like, where's the reinvention? Nostalgia is great. <laughs> but what are you adding to it? Yeah. What are you what are you doing? It's also to be said though if you're doing some kind of cut and paste carbon copy stuff, if you kind of approach it in a different way like like kind of with sampling and and stuff like mm. that, you know, like just how songs they take an old song, they sample it, and they kind of make it into a new, yeah. newer song, newer version. Of and then that, that shit's great. I mean, like, Venetian Snares did a great remix of, um, Gloomy Sunday by Billy Holiday. And yeah, like, they take, like, he takes the fucking, the, the vocals, and he takes some instrumentation, but he does it in this crazy way that's so fresh, it gave me a new appreciation for that song as well. Mm-hmm. I love Billy Holiday before, but after I heard that, I'm like, okay, this is sick. And it, it gives me this appreciation for how Billy Holiday did it herself. Yeah, exactly. Alex keeps texting me. He got the comments. Got the comments. But we'll get to we'll get to that later. <clears throat> um, but speaking of Lambgo, our comment section is now almost completely renovated. <laughs> <laughs> Under new management, not same management. <laughs> new style. New style. <laughs> new new outfits. Yeah. So I I don't I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I think you have to have a Facebook. To comment now on our post. Oh, n- no, all hell's about to break loose if anybody actually comments. Yeah, you were bummed about that a little bit. I ain't bummed. I, I find it entertaining as fuck. It is entertaining, but it's also like <clears throat> a whole thing. I get why. Yeah. I get why <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore because I I know that not everyone thinks like me and finds it entertaining. Right. Not everyone can laugh at themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, yeah, that's definitely a plus. <laughs> Thick skin is good, especially if you're going to be on Lamgo. Look, that, that's, that's the one thing I've learned about being trans. You got to have thick skin. Yeah, <laughs> I would assume so. That's something I wanted to bring up too, and I was trying to find a way to bring it up. We were talking about the hardcore scene, which was a good way, but you just brought it up too, so let's ride your coattails. Um, how was like just being trans coming up in the hardcore scene in general, and like? It was. Is that something that you started prior to Space Cowboy? It or was it something that you did afterwards. So, 
when I was in high school, I never like felt like right. I always like felt like a, a little off being like <clears throat> fronting as like this guy. So like I was like, I would compensate. So I was like this hyper masculine dude. I would like, I had like an eight pack. I was jacked. I would fucking take my shirt off any chance I could. <laughs> I was aggressive as fuck. Um, were you like guys in the pit? Yeah, exactly. I was one of them. And then I, um, I, towards later high school, I kind of started to like embrace this like more queer style. I came out like, okay, y'all, like I like boys too. Like I'm <laughs> queer. And I started wearing like tight, small cor- red corduroy vests and like flower printed like jeggings as tight as I could find. I started like, kind of <laughs> embracing this other side of me that I always wanted. Um, later on, when I moved to San Francisco, I came out as trans. I was like, I'm non-binary. It's kind of still like, Trying to figure out who I was, wasn't quite sure, wasn't confident enough to come out as a woman. Um, the scene I was in, the screen scene was super supportive of that. Um, when Space Cowboy started, you know, everybody's cool with it, of course, and I finally came out as a woman. And we were still in the screen scene when Space Cowboy first started. We hadn't like broken into the hardcore scene or whatever. But when we did, I was a little nervous. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. like, how's this going to be taken? And it's been great. I've, I haven't had to deal with anything from anyone everyone's super supportive super cool about it i haven't had any problems i feel like well obviously california is a little more progressive than most states in the in the country yeah. but i feel like uh i always felt like the hardcore scene was very open in general even though there are those kind of like aggro dudes it is i mean it is super open in general and and um i definitely had a false perception of like the more like not the less hardcore that I used to, like the youth crew and like the old bands, but like the more like hardcore scene now is like mm-hmm. breakdowns heavy, blah, blah, blah. Um, I definitely had this perception that I was kind of, maybe kind of worried, but once we actually like was, were kind of like kicked into that scene, um, it was great. Yeah. Everyone's fantastic. Everything's been cool. It's been, life's been great since then. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Um, it's been weird as like a person that's been in the scene to see it grow and be so accepting of just everything that's mm-hmm. been going on. Cause there was a time, and again, it could be specific to my area that I grew up in, obviously in this North Florida area. But like, I remember when it was predominantly just like white dudes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, uh, you would see like some girls trickle, st- start trickling in yeah. and like some, uh, some black dudes would start coming in. And then like now it's just like, everyone yeah like it's so different it is really cool i mean i feel like and again that's different probably from for me and you because you yeah, have such a different mixing pot, I, I, melting pot yeah than, yeah than growing I up in san diego definitely there was way more of a presence of people of color but i mean yeah that's the cool thing is like nowadays like yeah the hardcore scene is very diverse and it's sick because yeah. you have because with diversity comes a bunch of different perspectives voices from different backgrounds Voices with different experiences, mm-hmm. all coming together to tell different stories that yeah. we haven't really heard before, and I feel like that keeps it interesting. Yeah, and it's re- it gives people an outlet because that's what hardcore is—it's an outlet for whatever we feel. Yeah, whatever we want to let out. It's why we do it. <laughs> I doubt anybody's in hardcore for the fucking money because there's no money here. Exactly, I'll tell you that. Um, so we just do it for that catharsis, and mm. it's really nice that we can hear different stories from different people different yeah. backgrounds and your your background story and your story and going forward is also unique and not super well documented there's not a lot of like front front people yeah that you know that go yeah. through that transition and you got laura jingris that's about it <laughs> in like the big public eye you know? uh, yeah what well, against me yeah the, yeah. yeah so 
Yeah, that's basically we were trying to run down the gamut of like who's done that. Yeah, and it's, I, I have, I'm hard pressed to find many people. I mean, I know I know some hardcore bands that are fronted by trans women, and they're sick. Transgressions, mm-hmm. fucking dope. Um, but um, yeah, it is kind of a new thing, and I, I, it's kind of cool. I, I'm really curious to see how it goes. Yeah, been going good so far. Yeah, because like you, ba- basically, you're more accepted or you're more likely to be accepted for that in your home uh <coughs> state in general just again because everything but yeah it's been you've been cool like middle america type shit yeah i mean, I mean not people at gas stations no yeah. but in the <laughs> hardcore in the hardcore scene yes everybody's been really cool about it yeah you can already uh, tell yeah the gas station yeah, the gas uh, locals are, are definitely going to be some um, situations but no everyone else yeah i have not run into any i haven't had to fight anybody yet I've had to fight people, not in the hardcore scene, but mm-hmm. nobody in the hardcore scene, no. Do you have to, like, check a lot of people, though? Like, no. People, actually, people, like, no. Um, do people know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the way I present is pretty indicative. They know. I mean, I play without a shirt on wearing a bra most of the times. So I was like, no. <laughs> I, like, I feel like it's pretty well known. So I haven't had to check anyone, no, in the hardcore scene, at least, no. Right, right, right. Yeah, I feel like, again... It's always been super uber accepting for the most part. Yeah. But again, you do have those weird it, hardcore and heavy music gets such a bad rap for a few. Yeah, yeah and a few it, people. It, it looks scene. very violent. The whole scene looks very violent. Look, you know, I I like the violence. I fucking I crowd kill people. Well, it's not trying. Yeah, <laughs> I I love it. I I know that there's a big criticism of it, and I know I even have like. Other people who are queer and shit being like, we shouldn't participate in this. It's so macho. And I'm like, oh, fuck you. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like doing it. I love moshing. It's. Are you ever worried about being like more of a target out there? Well, no. again, that would be in the, yeah, in the genre and the scene that doesn't accept you. E- even if I was, I got so many people who have my fucking back. Yeah, so yeah. like, who cares? Like if anybody swung on me, it would, they would die. Yeah. Interesting. Well, so you haven't had to have any horrible situations. No, then. no, no. How's the uh, tour, the current tour going with uh, Stick to Your Guns? You're on tour with Stick to Your Guns. Yeah, Stick to Your Guns. Yeah, it's been amazing. It's been phenomenal. The response, I was really worried because you never know with tours. You never know if it's going to be like, you're the open band, nobody gives a shit about you, blah, blah, blah. But every night it's been insane. I heard, uh, I can't, I don't know where this guy is located, but the punk rock NBA. Yeah, uh, he was Seattle. Yeah, yeah. oh Seattle. Yeah, Finn yeah, McKenzie. Uh, he mentioned that even the opening band. I don't know. Are you the guys the yeah. opening band? Yeah, like, we're, okay, I didn't we're know the set lineup, but even you guys played to a packed house. Yeah, I so. mean that's how it's been. It's been amazing. And yeah, Finn McKenzie's a good dude. Talked to him for a long time at that show. But yeah, it's been crazy. We like I said, we kind of came in here prepared for disaster just in case, <laughs> but we've been blown away every show. It's just been insane. Yeah, it might be. I mean, it must be a good feeling to be a part of this particular tour yeah. and like open up with like a substantial crowd. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sick. Um, we're like super grateful to be part of it, and we're we're friends with all the Knock Loose guys, and we're really glad that they t- took us out. Um, yeah, it's probably been one of the best tours we've ever done, honestly. How many tours have you done? A lot. <laughs> a lot of tours. Because you've only, you've only been signed for... Uh, we were touring before we were signed. You normally do, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, yeah. I mean... Yeah, but like, we, uh, what kind of what kind of tours were you guys doing before uh, you got signed? Well, Just like while we were band? going through the signing process, we did our first full US ever. We did a DIY 
I am me and the guitarist booked every fucking. It was forty three days, and we booked every date ourselves. That's some MySpace shit, right? There. Yeah, it was. It was sick. Um, it was kind of like funny how it lined up with like we were on our first full U.S. tour, also talking about being signed and shit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we did a lot of tours. We did a lot of like West Coast tours, like two weeks before that and shit. Did you ever go out with like bands though? Like not like, not like this particular package, but like. Did you ever go out with bands? Yeah, like, we when were you like did the U.S. tour. Did you go out with? Oh uh, no, we did that solo. Yeah. Um, but like before, like yeah, we would like hit up. We'd go out with our friends' bands and shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And have some like you know. Cause By tours, cool. I meant like tour like yeah. the package, yeah. not necessarily like. Um, mo- before we got like an agent and shit. No, we didn't do many like support tours or anything. Yeah, like that. it was more like, hey, we're going on tour. You want to jump on a few days? Like, <laughs> yeah, we're homies. Good shit. Do you miss the DIY shit? I do. A lot. That's what I thought. I think uh, we. I get this DIY vibe from yeah. you. Yeah. I don't get me wrong. I love. I like the big stages. Like the monitors. It's fun. I like the big crowds. But I. I do also like have a big place in my heart still for small shows and small DIY spaces or venues and shit. Like yeah. after shows we played or off days have been sick. So yeah, I'll always like. I love both worlds. Yeah, it's a give and take. Yeah, it definitely is. A big is. give and take. It's a less intimate experience for like a more theatrical experience. You know. Yep. So I kind of like switching back and forth. And we're still in a place where we can do that. It's like we can play these sold out shows knock loose or we can still go play an off day in some like somewhere and like play a small show in a warehouse to like fucking like 50, 200 yeah. kids, you know. What do you, what what do you prefer? <sighs> like just for your performance wise. I like the Personally. small shows. Yeah, yeah. I vibe with the crowd way more when I'm like on their level and not on a stage that like they have to like sit like this. So you're talking like you're at a you're at a warehouse. Yeah, I'm at a warehouse. Yeah, (laughs) and there's like yeah, I like that. I like that more. Um, but like I said, I have a huge appreciation for also playing stages. It sounds better. Monitors. It's sick. If you don't like playing like festival type crowds, I wouldn't. I would be in the wrong wrong place. Yeah, I wouldn't have signed ever. Blah blah blah. So yeah, I mean, but it is, and again, the give and take is huge, but. Is what it is, you know what I'm saying? If yeah. you want to keep creating your art, you gotta play the game. That's that's the changing times, and then it was even a big shift for us when we went from being a DIY band to like having a booking because we got a booking agent and like label within like a couple months of each other. You know, right. it was kind of crazy. It came out of nowhere. Literally got asked by a booking agent the same day we got asked by our first label. Um, we got the first offer from I'm not gonna say the label's name, but yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, so did it's you kinda, take that offer? What did no, you take the offer? No, okay. No. Um. Uh. So we, yeah, it was kind of this crazy thing of like, in a day, my whole life changed. It was all of a sudden you have a booking agent, and you got label offers. They're coming in like within a day. It was like you're not DIY anymore. How long were you guys a band before this stuff started trickling in? Uh, a year and a half, two years, man. It's relatively quick. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Yeah. What do you attribute that to? Because there's a lot of bands. I'm just gonna ask because you know a lot of younger bands are act, they're trying to make it their yeah, own way. Yeah, somebody but. asked me yesterday on Instagram, "How do you any advice for the music scene?" I'm like, I don't. Were you know just that doing world. it? And yeah, then, like, we were just doing just it. That was the thing. We had no plan. Were you submitting your stuff to like pure noise at all? No, no, we didn't submit anything to anyone ever. We were just doing it, and it, like this band wasn't even supposed to be serious. It was supposed to be a joke. I I moved to Oakland because. I straight up asked everyone, are we ever going to do anything with this band? They're like, no. <laughs> Have fun in the Bay. Um, 
And then all this shit started happening. I started getting on 10-hour megabuses from Oakland to L.A. a bunch. <laughs> and then a label offer happened. So, like, yeah, we never did anything. We never wanted to, like, make it. It just kind of just fell in our laps. And we're like, you know what? This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, so I'm going to take it. Yeah, you got to, like, at least play it out. Yeah, I'm like, we're like, we kind of had this serious talk. Like, okay, like, this is, like, life-changing. Are we yeah, going to do this? We're like, sure. Yeah, we're going to do this. And, you know, some members left during that time. We gained new ones, and so not everybody wanted this. And, yeah, but it was a huge life change for us. That's so, cool. Yeah. How do you like being with Pure Noise? They seem like a really cool label. I love, yeah. Right now. I love being with Pure Noise. I mean, the the whole team is great. They let us do whatever we want. It's no, there's no fucking play this style, look like this, blah, blah, blah. Because that was always our biggest thing. We always said we'd only sign a label if we had full artistic license. Mm -hmm. We never want a label to tell us what we could and couldn't do, anything like that. So when when um, Pianos came along, you know, Jake was like, "I'm a punk. I'm not gonna ever tell you what to do. Y'all make the music." And we're like, "Sure, let's do it." It's and so out. it's been great so far. It's playing out. So what are the goals going forward for us? Uh, See you, Space Cowboy. Big anime fans? You guys big anime fans? No, sure. I mean, me and Ethan are big anime fans. Me and from my little brother. From, right? Yeah, it comes <laughs> from Cowboy Bebop. We were watching Cowboy Bebop earlier. Like, um, I don't know what the goal... I, I think at this point, the goal... I mean, it's always to just keep making art because that's what my whole life has I've, mm -hmm. I've revolved around. I don't, I don't work a job. I just do designs for bands and shit to, like, I have for years. Um, to make my income, so it's just to keep making art, and like of course, like yes, we it would be nice to to come to a point where Space Cowboy could sustain all of our lives. That would be sick. Mm -hmm. If it happens, it happens. If not, if it's fine. I'm I just want to make art. It's like like I said, it's what my life revolves. It's always revolved around right. just either whether it's physical art, art for bands, or music. That's cool. Um, so not everybody in the band is into anime, though. No. No. Nope. It's mostly me and my little brother Ethan. Okay. I I honestly don't have a lot of anime repertoire. Other than like I used to go to this club way back in the day, and they would play like hentai porn. <laughs> that was like my first kind of like look into like anime. Well, me and Ethan like we've been exposed to anime and manga for like a long time like i got my my first manga was like in yuasha volume one when i was like 10 mm -hmm. so it's been a long-standing thing saw spirit away in theaters when it came out and then we like <laughs> yeah. dove into all that shit later on when i was in middle school and high school ugo and pokemon to mainstream yep yeah uh, i'm not a huge fan no, no i'm not gonna front my I favorite anime... up in pokemon for a little bit <laughs> my favorite anime is neon genesis evangelion and Ethan, Ethan is way more an anime than me. I will, I can't front and be like, <laughs> we're equal. Ethan loves his fucking anime. I will watch an anime that intrigues me once every few months. But I have Akira? a huge respect for it. I'm sorry? Akira? Yeah, I love Akira. I saw, I saw that, my adoptive dad had a VHS of it when yeah, we got adopted. Yeah, I watched adopted. the VHS and I remember watching, as a kid, and I remember watching it going like, that's my reaction as well. <laughs> being a little, I remember my, I think my mom was very mad that he showed that to us. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we were very little. So was he like your, I mean. Oh, he was like, he's definitely been. As far as culture. And yeah, a huge inspiration to me. He yeah. introduced me to so many things like, 
giving me like Batman the Killing Joke when I was a kid, like showing me like Frank Miller. He's an artist himself. Um, so that's where he's, he's a creative director for a living for all How, his... Like, what age group is your dad in? He's 50. No. Yeah, he's 54. 54. That's pretty young. Yeah. My mom it's, it's, is 44. My dad is 54. So. Hey, there you go. That's how I like it. We're, we're big on that too. Not really on that. I shouldn't say big on that. That's bad to say out loud. But anyway. Uh. But yeah, he was a huge influence on me. Everything he showed me growing up was, is like, yeah, it's like molded me into like who I am. Of course, I took what he gave me and kind of like moved in my own direction. Right, with right, it. right. But he gave you kind of like, he a, gave me the starting, the starting. You probably didn't grow up listening to the fucking radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Other than that, I mean, like, I, my mom was also in, I mean, my mom was like, my mom's young, so she was also showing me all kinds of cool shit and stuff. So in, in my family, it would have been very hard to like grow up being a normie. Yeah. Because everyone's just weird. I can get that. Yeah, I mean, like, it's cool to have someone like that, especially in your life. And it could be, like, not a, it doesn't necessarily have to be a parent. Like, my yeah, uncle was showing me a bunch yeah. of, like, cool music shit when I was younger, too. So. Yeah, I mean, even, like, when I was, like, at that collective, I remember just learning so much from the older members because they all had so much to share that I never even thought of, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, like, telling me, showing me zines, telling me all this, like, political theory that, like, as, like, you know, a 16, 17-year-old, I would never have thought about. right. Right. Um, do you guys carry zines? I, I know that you wanted to. Do you I, guys carry zines with you on tour still? Or? No, we've never. I've been way too fucking broke. <laughs> I my my dream was to like build out of wood a nice shelf, like we used to have at Che, and carry zines. But I've never gotten around to it. I would still like to make it happen. Yeah. Actually, I will make it happen. And uh, what like what would your ideal catalog be of like i would probably i would it would depend on like the tourists because like i'm very much one of those people that understands like you have to know the audience you're like going to <laughs> so i would probably you know have like some zines on like emma goldman or like basic intro to leftist politics mm-hmm. um probably a lot of stuff on like the oppression of the working class because i feel like that's something that a lot of people can identify with even if you're not like hardcore left you can identify with being fucked over right in the workplace right and by like you know our corporate overlords or whatever <laughs> um so stuff like that that definitely wouldn't go in there with the zines that we used to have at che because a lot some of that shit's a little bit too extreme for like the intro level kid right <laughs> just learning about this stuff they don't need to know how to make riot gear ah, i see <laughs> no anarchist cookbook no because the, the, that's just a bad recipe for disaster for well i remember kid. like going to some like these shows and like pita being like you know it was a lot of it was a big thing for pita to be there at these at shows for the most part and pita's whack as fuck but well i mean like this day, i mean i i don't want to agree or disagree with that, but this was also like 2000 to 2004 time. They were a little bit better back then, yeah. Uh, but they were, it was also like so in your face, some of the it, stuff. It is. So in your face. And, it, and I feel like that approach doesn't work. Um, it's a great in theory, and like I'm all for being aggressive in your politics. Um, there's but, like a fine line. There is a fine yeah. line. I mean, like, Sea Space Cowboys is an all vegan band. Um, really? Yeah, we're all vegan. Um, but we're not super in your face about it. Um, I would carry zines about veganism for sure. Mm-hmm. And if anybody would ever want to talk about it, I'd be like, yeah, this is why you should be vegan. I actually reached out to Mean Pete to, to see if I should ask you anything in particular. But he was like, yeah, it's a cool band, cool people. It's all good. 
<laughs> so yeah, you're the second vegan we've had on here. Or at least like outspoken, not outspoken yeah. vegan, but just like mentioned it on the podcast. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I definitely keep it intro level because I understand that if anything, if I were to be dealing with any hardcore leftists, I'd be I'm preaching to the choir. Yeah, and I don't really need to do that. It doesn't help anybody. I mean, I don't. And again, I. It could be I'm a product of my environment, but there's not really a lot of like, and I feel like people that would vote for the right may not listen to like hardcore music that much. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're few and far between. Very I feel like so. they're just more like a five figure. <laughs> that, that's the thing. And, and, and that would be the thing with like, with this band, with our politics. Like, yeah, we, I mean, we used to be way more outspoken about them. Um, we used to be very outspoken about our anarcho communist, um, politics and shit like that. Not so much anymore. It's more just the personal members hold that near and dear because we're not, you know, we're singing sad songs now. <laughs> it's not so much about that as the world sucks. Be. But we still hold our politics close to us. And um, so if anything, I would, I would want to try to push those who already have those ideas a bit further and be like, hey, I know that you think this, but have you ever considered taking a step forward with this? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Stick to Your Guns is a very outspoken band politically, and it's been really cool to watch them do their speeches every night. And, and it's been great talking to them because we all we do have similar politics, and it's great um, to have another band in the hardcore scene that we can like really like talk to about these things. Yeah, like we've we read the same it's also books. Also, band too. They've been around. Yeah, and they're 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 an amazing band. They paved the way a little bit. Yeah, for, I guess for something like that. And I would love to push the hardcore scene. Um, towards that idea more, the more far left, but it's a process. I know that nobody's gonna just pick up a zine and be like, "Oh my god, I'm a fucking hardcore leftist." I am an anarcho-syndicalist. It has happened, yeah, but a lot of people also are extremely turned off by that stuff. So it's like this weird line you walk of like, I want to radicalize people, but I have to do it in the right way because it can scare the fuck out of people if you just come out and be like, "Yo, (laughs) (laughs) here's some fucking baby cows getting fucking grind up." That's what I was like. I'd be like, oh, what kind of merch do you have? Oh, that's cool. I'm going to move over here to this booth. Oh. Yeah. You know, it, it's a process. Yeah. And, and nothing again. And it's not a, it's not a problem. Nothing against those people. And some people take longer to come around. They need more to learn more and they don't need to be bombarded with <laughs> Emma Goldman's essays on anarchism right away. Do you feel like the younger generation is becoming more privy to that stuff at an earlier age? I feel like the younger generation is way more left and liberal. But I don't know. I can't speak about how far left they go. Right. You know, um, I know they're becoming like attuned to that. that yeah, I feel kind like of topic. They'd be way more receptive to it. But there's also a huge movement of nonviolence right now, which is like why I like try really hard to separate myself from liberals, because there is this. While there's this rhetoric of left, there's this rhetoric of oh no, Antifa bad. Oh no, Black Bloc. <laughs> bad we can't be violent and i try to really separate myself from that so it's kind of a toss-up i don't know who would be receptive to more like we need a revolution versus who just be like oh no i'm just a liberal i'm left Mm -hmm. i'm not right i'm not a centrist it's definitely a weird uh (laughs) there's so many like sex now there is either side (laughs) and you know i've actually had really good conversations with people about that because there's a lot of um separation in the left and i was mm-hmm. talking to somebody about um how 
Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with some of the beliefs of like these separate sections of like the far left, but I do believe that we need unity because at the current state, we need to work together as much as possible because while our outcomes might not be the same, we can still take the same steps forward Yeah, to fight a system that we need to fight currently. Yeah. And And, go ahead. Sorry. And, 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 and and that's something that I believe is necessary. Um, we can argue about our differences later. Right. right now, we need unity to continue the march forward instead of just fighting amongst ourselves. Yeah, and much like we talked about prior to this fucking podcast starting up, was like the, we we <coughs> touched on the cancel culture type thing, yeah. and how you know, I don't know. I'm not about the can. I mean, we already talked about. It. I'm yeah. not about the cancel culture that that much. I feel like like what you said earlier. People that need to learn from their mistakes yeah. rather than be like chastised or this or the other. Yeah, it stems, it, a lot of it stems from like outcasting someone should be the last fucking straw. You should always strive for accountability and make that person learn because the more people that you outcast, the less you have fighting for you. And it also even like, you can even go deeper with it in that like, if you're a leftist and you talk about workers' rights, but you won't let a worker join your group because they're uneducated about, or they say derogatory terms, you're not helping anyone. Mm-hmm. You need to be willing to take them in and educate them instead of just being like, oh, you said a slur of fuck off. Get yeah. out of here. You need to be able to take them in and and be like, here's why you shouldn't say things like that because they perpetuate this subspecies ideology that suppressed people for a long time you need to be willing to be like i am trying to fight your battle with you but i need you with me as well right and educate them instead of ostracizing them and Um, not going back on their timeline 10 years to find out yeah exactly (laughs) that doesn't help anyone that that kind of thing is counterproductive you need to be willing it's all about education it's all about progress so yeah if somebody does something says a slur says something that they might not necessarily know is bad you need to educate them and be like this is why it's bad are you good you're accountable for your actions okay cool i mean of course we're it, it becomes a different story with like violent offenders, and right? Rapists. Right. You know, that's right, a whole different. We're talking beast. about like regular people. Yeah, we're talking about just people who have a conversation. Who like somebody who doesn't know that it's a slur to call me a tranny. I'm like, you know, I need to educate that person instead of just being like, oh, you call me a tranny, get the fuck out. Right. You know. That being said, if if, if it's clearly malicious, we're going to have problems. Yeah, how often does it happen when it's not malicious? I feel like it would probably I, happen a lot when It hasn't happened to me. I've heard of people talking to people and being like, oh, they didn't know that, that that is not okay to say. Um, but I've never had to deal with it said to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's the same thing with like a lot of people know don't know that you know transvestite is a slur and you, we don't say that anymore. A transsexual isn't correct, you know. So there is a process of learning, and there's a lot of fucking. What is the correct term? Transgender. Transgender. Yeah, there's a lot of. Um, Would trans be a trans is fine. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's why yeah. I usually trans. I, no, nobody wants said. to say transgender all the time. <laughs> say trans. Um, um, but there is a lot of, and that's another thing. There's a lot of vocabulary that's changed there's a lot of ideology that's changed and not everybody can keep up with it Mm -hmm. and you need to be willing to be patient and educate people instead of ostracizing them because then you just create more of a dynamic where like all these people are this group over here and they're ostracized yeah separate separate. yeah it's like it's it and it doesn't do good it's like within the queer movement even yeah we have our own little group over here 
But we really shouldn't. We should be working to be integrated into society and make it normal and stop doing things to isolate ourselves. It should be all about education and integration. Right. So that we can just be normal. Because I don't want to be viewed as special or different. All I want to be viewed as is normal. Right. Because I, that's all I am. I am normal. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm a trans woman. Yeah. I have the, I'm like, I have to deal with things that are that differently than, than the average woman was, does, but I'm, I just want to be viewed as normal. I mean, it's normal for me because I met you like this. You yeah. So it's normal. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, that's the thing. It's like, it's just everything's a process. I have a question about the transition and music. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I don't know, like, what your end goal is maybe or where you are at in your whole situation but are you w- worried about like it affecting your vocal dynamic and shit no because there's no cuz on the record you just in the record that just came out you do have like yeah i do lower like my, I, I, I don't do as many high pitched um vocals but no because no surgery will affect your vocal range Okay. Nothing medically will affect. I didn't know it, that, if, that's anything, all, if anything yeah. does happen. That's, that's all like voice training. This. Okay. And ch- that, that's how I'm able to do those high pitched vocals back in the day. But I can still do my lower stuff that I do on the record. All you. the talking. A lot of people when I was in a band, a lot of people ask like, "How do you scream?" And this and the other. Yeah. It's just like it's stupid. it's all it's all voice. Right. I mean, Laura Jane Grace sounds the fucking same. <laughs> she didn't change her voice. It's all personal preference. Some people don't change their voice at all. Some people work very hard to. Yeah, I was wondering because, like, again, people that go through transitions and 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 people that just you know come out even sometimes adopt a different way of talking. You you do it. You do whatever's comfortable for you. I didn't. I didn't know if that maybe was like a medical thing. No, it's yeah, it's not. I mean, when I first came out, I tried talking in a higher pitched voice, blah blah. blah. I didn't like it. So I was like, I'm going back to my normal voice. (laughs) This is way too much work to just always talk higher pitched and be like this. I'm like, I'm I'm back. That's pretty funny. Yeah, interesting look on it. It is. I mean, and, and that's like the thing also like within transitions everybody's is different some people will never get on hormones will never go through any surgeries and they're completely content Mm -hmm. and that's chill for them and me i want surgeries i've been on hormones for years everybody's transition is different yeah well it's It's whatever makes you comfortable yeah it's like the journey yeah well do you have any uh you can just tighten it if it's bothering you yeah do you have uh anything else you want to say before or get at like plug or whatever whether it's a band or no, I'm trying to get to these anything. comments, my dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah, yeah I'm trying to do the comments. Yeah, I don't have anything else. I, like I said, I like conversation. Yeah, man, it's been a good. Uh, I don't mean to say yeah, man. Uh, you know dude, I mean. Okay, I grew up in Cali. Yeah. Bro, dude, <laughs> yeah. man. I'm a bro. Dude, I get man. it. Yeah. It's fine. It doesn't bother me. I, I grew bro, up in dude, Southern man, California like, all the time. A so. lot of people come up to me and and, and are like that. I'm like. You gotta understand. I grew up in a surfer town. I feel I it. don't give a fuck. But I also am conscious enough to no, be around. No, that's good. because some where like I'll say it, but I'm like, oh, yeah, no. some people do care, and it's good that you're careful. Yeah. Me, I don't give a fuck. Okay, cool. Canceled. <laughs> yeah, don't cancel me, bro. Or uh, whatever. Okay, we'll end it now, I guess. And then uh, check out. Yeah, you can check out Connie at CU Space Cowboy. Your Instagram, not your personal Instagram, unless you want to give it out. I will, I'll give out my personal Instagram. Yeah, your your uh, it's X band. Camu Love Child X. And what's the band's? Uh, at it's like C U Space Cowboy S Y S C Band. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
And then, uh, yeah, you can. We'll have it all linked in the in the bottom and everything. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. Of course, uh, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> We're good. Show. Yeah. <laughs> it is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? <laughs> so do we. Why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts. Thank you.